Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, and practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello. I am here with the absolutely amazing Anne K. Scott. Anne, thank you so much for being with me here today. A pleasure, Brooke. A pleasure. Well, we are going to have so much fun talking about a topic that can be so forgotten. As we age, as we grow up, as responsibilities start to pile on us, we forget to access this amazing power that we have within ourselves. And that is the power of our imagination. And that's what Anne does in her business. Anne, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your motivation for starting your company and where the idea really came from. Well, that's a good question, Brooke. Um... It's a hard question, um, and and there's a short story and a long story. But I will I will you know tell a middle a middle length story. So um, when I left uh, college and school, it was actually a long time ago. It was in the the late seventies, early eighties, and um, I ended up doing computer studies, doing coding. Um, I ended up doing a BSc in computer systems, and I started doing that. It, very tactical and um, particularly tactical because in Ireland, where I went to college, they paid me to go to college. Yeah, So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but the fact that there was a price tag and I got paid to do it, that's why I ended up doing computer studies. Yeah, So um, that was my starting point. And I then spent 30 years in uh, information technology, big systems, you know, putting in uh, global systems. I was a delivery manager, a delivery person putting in new technology all over the world. And I created a freelance business in the early 90s doing that. And I continued doing that into the 2000s, into the noughties, as they said. And and I I just got tired. I got bored. And I got to a stage where I kind of went, is this all there is? Um, And I started exploring different avenues. I just didn't want to go into the computer technology business um, to, to any great extent. And so I got to go to back to university and I went back to college and I did a master's in an arts degree. You know, I did a master's in anthropology um, and that opened me up to a, a whole different world. It didn't particularly open me up to imagination at that stage, but on that pathway, I met a computer sales guy who was teaching people about their imagination and intuition. So purely because I was fascinated in the topic, I started doing some training work with him and I became a coach. So alongside my technology work, I was working in London in the city and I was working for a number of um, different companies. I actually graduated and trained in this modality purely for the fun of it. And what I realized as I was doing that process, which took four or five years um, to do the training and I was just dabbling in it, was what I realized is I was making the journey from information technology into imagination technology. So I I transitioned from being an information technologist 
Look at you, Anne. That is a beautiful information to imagination. And prior to the recording, we were saying children are such amazing creators. A four-year-old has a beautiful imagination, a beautiful world that they create in our head. And as we go through our lives, we learn to read, we learn arithmetic, we learn to write, and we start to have these responsibilities piled on us. We start to lose that natural sense of playfulness, that natural sense of fun, that natural imagination. And you mentioned that's part of the conditioning, right? So can you expand on this conditioning aspect? And then too, I'd be really curious to know your perception on children and their imaginations. Yeah, I actually don't know much about children, Brooke. I don't have any of my own. And I do have nieces and nephews. I don't have, but, but I, you know, but I I'm, agree with you. My, my, um, you know, what I see is that, you know, children's imaginations are fostered in in, you know, what we call preschool or, you know, uh, infant school or, you know, nursery school. And then you get to a stage where, you know, come six or seven or whatever, and you start drawing these imaginative pictures. And, and, and the, the messages are like, sorry, look, you can't have to, you have, you can't make blue grass or you can't make a green sun, you know, like the grass is green and the sun is yellow. And, and so the conditioning starts to be, this is how things are. And so, and then it becomes about rational learning, about mathematics, arithmetic, you know, and, and starting to, um, work in a system which, you know, without, I don't want to, I'm not here to change the education system, but it is interesting that the word education comes from the Latin to draw out. Uh, but whereas actually the education system that most of us um, in, in exist in and are trained in is an education that is basically pushing things in, that's telling us how to things yeah there is a, a kind of place where unless you go and do arts and you study art then that that imagination side of things isn't fostered but um you know you asked me about imagination and and you know the creative ability of it and you know using my technology understanding or i will say to people tech, imagination is like a program that comes bundled in your consciousness so it's like your mobile phone and you get one of these free programs on it and you never get to use it yeah it's just sitting there yeah so we think that we're not using our imaginations but the reality is our imagination is the aspect of us that creates so einstein says imagination creates everything everything yeah so you might not think you're using your imagination but actually your imagination is working all the time and what it creates if you're not consciously choosing to imagine what you want, yeah, like young children imagine they want to learn to play the piano. They imagine that they, you know, want to go and on an adventure and, you know, become a princess. Yeah. If you're not actually doing that imagining, then what's actually happening is your imagination is just hooking back into your conditioning. Yeah. So it's just going, oh, you know, you're not very good at art, so you mustn't do art. So your or your imagination is going, you know, you're not good enough or you don't have permission to do this. Or, you know what, in our family, you know, you know, we all become bankers or in our families, we, we become artists or whatever. Yeah? And so we start our imagination is actually taking its cues from our conditioning. So what it's doing is creating a small version of our lives, which tends to get smaller and smaller. And so my own personal experience when I changed career was I was actually going around in circles. You know, I was I was working very hard. I was doing really interesting technology projects, but actually, I, you know, life wasn't very fulfilling. It was it was it was empty. It wasn't particularly joyful. And so by actually learning how to use my imagination strategically. So therefore I use it to actually design my life and I create goals for myself using my imagination by going into meditations and, and doing open-ended journaling. And part of the skill of imagination is then learning to decipher it. 
So again, there are people who think they haven't got imaginations. Yeah, they go, I haven't got an imagination. Because there is an assumption that imagination is the same as creativity and imagination is pictorial as images. But imagination, and I just, you know, your imagination basically is the information that you receive before you start thinking, before you start rationalizing. And what po most people don't know is that that may be a feeling in their little finger. It might be hearing it, a clock ticking. It might be suddenly getting a smell. It's not necessarily, it's the first thing you get. It's not necessarily, it doesn't show up in the same way for me or for anybody. It's not, it's not a, you know, so it's, it's the information you get before you start to rationally think about things. Yeah. And generally we dismiss that. Well, absolutely we do. And I thought it was really telling you brought up, oh, you know, little Johnny, you're not good at art. So therefore you don't do it. I'm somebody that's sang for a long time since I was very young. And it's really interesting. People will only let themselves sing in a karaoke setting or, or very, very rarely, right? Let themselves sing because, oh, I'm not a good singer. When in reality, singing, like you're mentioning, brings so much joy, so much imagination. But I think there's this blanket or this veil or layer of shame, right? Of maybe I'm not as good as other people that use their imagination. Would you agree? Well, I think it goes back to conditioning again. You know, like we're basically hearing the voices of probably the two most um, important people in our lives, our mothers and our fathers. Yeah. And, you know, and they're obviously doing, you know, most cases, obviously not everybody has as beautiful childhoods, but in many cases, most of us have quite ordinary childhoods and, and our parents are doing the best that they can. Yeah. But they they also want to keep us safe. They want to make sure we get the best education. And, and you know, and those voices are, are in our consciousness, you know, and and actually you mentioned about children being like sponges. Scientifically, yeah, and scientifically that's proven that actually their brain waves are in a particular state that means they absorb everything. So it's it's part of the learning state. So in the first five years, I believe, children are just like, as you said, sponges. So basically they're they're taking on board all the information around them, which is generally just from their parents, yeah, maybe from their teachers, but it's not a very broad spectrum. And so People learn at a very young age what their own boundaries. And we actually, we create the boundaries, not our parents. The reality is we bring that on board in our consciousness and go, oh, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't sing. So our imagination gets shut down and that opportunity to expand on it. Now, I, I don't necessarily think, you know, I'm not here to say, I think in the education system that we should do anything about imagination, but I'm thinking about your audience here, Brooke, yeah? So, you know, young people in college, you know, they've got an opportunity to bring their imagination back into the game by actually, you know, kind of going, what, what would I really love here? You know, in any given moment, like, what would I love? I'd love to go for a coffee. You know, what would I love? I'd like to, to ring my friend. What would I love? I'd love to go and learn how to sing or join a choir. So you can start using it in a, it's a great line that, what would I love? Yeah. It's not the only thing, you know, because often the things that are most important to us aren't necessarily things that we love because, you know, can be a lot of tension around going, oh, gosh, I want to sing. Yeah, we might go, oh, I don't really love that idea of standing up and singing when everything in my consciousness tells me I shouldn't. But on a day-to-day -day basis, the more that we give ourselves permission to, to do what we love, the more we're actually opening up our imaginations and the more we're opening ourselves up to more of what we would love to create. What are the three things you think that college students in particular can do to kind of reignite, get potentially plugged back in to this playfulness, to this creativity 
and essentially to the imagination that's really within them, but they don't know how to access it right now. I would say that living imaginatively, it's about being self-directed, self-referenced, self-determined, like leading from inside in, in who we are, listening and, you know, and, and um, listening to the whisper. Yeah. And when I first started this work, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. So I didn't, I, I was like, I can just hear my thoughts and my feelings. So my first piece of advice is, and this is quite a, a, a strong one, but thoughts and feelings are not a true reflection of reality. Thoughts and feelings are a reflection of your perception of reality, yeah? So thoughts and feelings are relevant, they're real, you have them. But my invitation for people is to notice their thoughts and feelings and then take the time to potentially be in themselves. And that may be a little meditation, it may be, you know, listening to some nice music, but just not necessarily believing your thoughts and feelings, yeah? Seeing them and, and kind of going, that information, you know, especially if we're triggered, if we get, you know, tension and we're triggered, it's just to realize that we have a perception and our thoughts and feelings are speaking to us like that. Our imagination tends to speak to us in a different, more, a different way, a more, you know, ethereal, subtle way. Um, so I don't know if that's a great piece of advice to start with. Oh, that is a completely great piece of advice to love, love, love that. And it does, when you're mentioning triggered, that brings up a great point for me as well, that college is a very triggering time. As you're without your family for the first time, you're trying to navigate potentially romantic relationships, at least social relationships, friendship relationships. And sometimes you do get triggered, right, by other worldviews, by other ways of life or by a class or a failing grade, whatever it is. And so to tap into that imagination in those dark moments is a beautiful, I guess, sense of safety. Yeah, and I think the, the second part of that, because um, there are the three parts, as you said, but the second part of that is that it's, and it's it's quite easy to actually, because we're triggered and it's not easy. You want to send the email or you want to tell somebody something, but to be able to stop and pause. Yeah. It's, it's like this ability to be able to go, okay, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to count to, to 10 or whatever. And I'm just going to pause. And the, the next piece of this is to let go of the need to know just for a moment to go, I'm going to let go of needing to work anything out. I'm going to let go of needing to know anything and just breathe. I think actually what's really useful, I mean, people may be doing, may do meditation. I mean, it took me years to get to meditation, my such a busy mind. So don't, you don't have to meditate, but what I get is that everybody will have something that is kind of, is a meditation to them. So it might be going walking. I've got a client of mine who does parkour. It might be going to the gym might be going for a swim. It might be, you know, taking a book and going somewhere. So there are things that all of us have that actually bring us to us as, you know, bring us into that more of an inner space and just calm ourselves down, self-regulation. So knowing that your thoughts and feelings are not real, they're just a reflection of your perception is great. The second step then is to really be able to slow yourself down and to bring yourself to a space where you can just hear what's going on inside you. You're, you're with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right when you're talking about different forms of self-regulation. I'm very much like a Pilates, yoga, exercise, movement, self-regulator. My sister is not. My sister is, I got to sit in front of the TV, right? And so there are these different strokes for different folks. Um, so I'm absolutely resonating with that. I'm excited to hear the third one. 
My first piece is that our thoughts and feelings are not a true reflection of reality. They're a reflection of our perception. Then we can actually go, oh, there's the part of me that wants to be perfect. There's the part of me that wants to be in control. There's the part of me that thinks I'm not good enough. There's the part of me that, that doesn't want to show off. Yeah. So the more we, we kind of spend a little time with that awareness and we can become the observer, then the easier it is to, to just to do something for the pure love of it. Yeah. And, and I think it's Oscar Wilde has a quote. He talks about just all art is useless. Yeah, all art is useless. Now, what, what I get that he means by that is, is that you, when you do something just for the love of it, it's not to get approval. It's not to get acknowledgement. It's not to get a million dollars. Yeah. It's just because in this moment, you know, you, you want to do it and you want to be with that thing or that person or that. And, and the more that we can bring that aspect into our lives, because all there is is the present moment, Brooke. Yeah, it's only we've only got this. You know, we talk about it like the past is over and the future is yet to come. And and you know, a lot of this is about being able to be in the present moment and to be able to to go with what's coming up from the present moment. And so I have two more questions. This one's a little bit of fun. We want to get to know who you really are. What are the things that you do to ignite your imagination as you build your business, as you live your life? What are your habits or what what's Anne's special recipe for imagination? Well, I, I work with, um, you know, as, as I work with people over long term, I create strategic goals. So I have strategic goals for myself. Yeah. Which are not really goals. They're more choices. Yeah. And they come from a meditation place. Um, and they're very, um, uh, you know, playful and imaginative. And so what I will always do is I will, will tune in and I will go with the first thing I get. And, and the first thing I get is usually not rational. Yeah. And so I will do some journaling around that. And, and, you know, so I just make it up, just making up stories, you know, and, and, you know, uh, so again, it, 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 you know, that's just part of what I do. That's my sort of daily practice. And I, I follow what I get is quite important, you know, the taking action on it. Um, and I don't mean like big action, but always I say to people, take a small action. What can you do in the next 24 hours? So, you know, people might go, oh, I really want to become a, a singer. And you go, well, where are you? Are you currently singing? No, no, I've never sung. I shouldn't. Well, what's the one thing you can do in the next 24 hours? Well, I could go and, you know, listen to a concert or I could go and do a singing lesson. Yeah. So, you know, that following through, um, you know, even if you think it doesn't make sense, I have done things and I go, I have no idea why I'm doing this. I have no idea why I'm on this course. I have no idea why I think I should go and meet this person for dinner. And to be honest, like I'm on this because of that. I just got the sense it was true. Just do it. Follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah. If some of our viewership wants to connect with you, they want to learn more about what you do, where can they go? Where can they be directed to get to know you, to learn more about you and your offerings? Well, they can get to know me a little bit on, uh, they can follow me on Instagram. I don't know if you, you, you can probably share all these links in the, yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I, I kind of put stuff up there, little pictures and little notes about what I'm doing. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't know if this audience follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I have a website, crossingfrontiers.co.uk. And I also do, um, and I have a second business called Evolve the Journey. And the main thing I'm doing on Evolve the Journey is I do a transformational workshop wrapped in a holiday every year in Greece. 
So it's a seven day, you know, you come in, in the morning to do workshop and then around that you hang out on the beach, you get to meet people. Um, if we have a visiting artist or a resident musician, we usually create a concert, we might have a dance night. Um, and it's in a small, very beautiful little resort in, in, in Corfu. So, um, I'll also share that website. And if anybody's interested in that, that you can come, we always take people on the journey of going, what does your heart want to create next? That's what the week is. What do your heart want to create next? Now that is speaking right to me. That sounds like the type of place that I need to go. Don't you agree, Anne? I would absolutely agree, Brooke. I would agree. I think that would be perfect for me. Oh my goodness. I've had a great experience with you. I feel like you kind of reignited the little flame of my imagination, perhaps dreams that I've locked away. And I hope that the viewership and the audience agrees that this just really reignited and reminded them just how important imagination truly is. Is there anything you'd like to share before we wrap up? Uh, thank you very much, Brooke, for giving me this opportunity. And, and, and I think the biggest thing is for people to realize that there are ways that they can work with their imagination. And I, I, you know, I would like to have more in the way of programs and, you know, I'd like to write a book and all of that sort of stuff to make it more accessible. But basically, you know, our imagination creates everything and we have got the ability to, to create our dreams. Yeah. To create what really matters to us. And my, I suppose my final thing to say as well is if, if we each do that, Brooke, yeah, and we each create a, our own little beautiful world then we're going to create a beautiful world. Yeah, there's a lot going on out there. I mean, it's very intense in college, but it's all very intense in the world. There's econ economic problems, there's global warming, there's wars. But, you know, so what I also get is imagination and by nurturing our imagination gives us the opportunity to make a really beautiful contribution by looking after ourselves, by putting our oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't think of a better book into a podcast than that. Yes, put your oxygen mask on first. And we all need to, to be reminded of that time and time. Oh my goodness. Anne K. Scott, thank you so much for joining me here today on this episode of the Campus Chronicles podcast. Beautiful. Thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be, which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success. And remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.